I'll be teaching the next couple weeks, this week and next week. And so I wanted to, I wanted to do something that was a little different. Thought I'd give you a little bit of systematic theology. And give you some facts and figures. So we want to talk about a new way to worship. And we live in a, an age. Oh, that was a long way down there. Hang on a minute. Therapy's working. I can get my own bottle and open it. And we live in an age where church attendance is taboo in a lot of circles, in a lot of generations, in a lot of age groups that you can just uh, stay at home and you can do it there and it'll be all right. And the organized church is just a man-made religion and they just want your money and it's corrupt and all of that. So you're just better off just doing it on your own. And the, the, when Israel would backslide in the Old Testament, they would have a judge. And then they would, once the judge would pass away, before there was another, another judge that was appointed, they would backslide. And there was a phrase that was found in the Old Testament periodically that said, and Israel did what was right in their own eyes. So that's pretty scary when we do what's right in our own eyes rather than what the word of the Lord says. And so we're going to talk about the tabernacle today, which was the organized church of that day because God told Moses, we're going to have this tabernacle and this is where we're going to worship and this is where the sacrifices will be uh, done. And this is where it's all going to happen. This was the center of the camp. The, the 12 tribes were all positioned around the tabernacle. The tabernacle was in the center of the camp. And every man's tent door opened toward the tabernacle. So when you walked out, what you saw every morning was the tabernacle in the center of the camp. So we're going to get started here about all of this, I think. A new way to worship, the tabernacle. Okay. <clears throat> so the tabernacle has different pieces and different instruments, pieces of furniture, you can call it. It has the brazen altar, the brazen laver. It has the tabernacle coverings and frames, the table of shoe bread, the altar of incense, the golden candlestick, and the ark of the covenant. And... Wait till we get to the golden candlestick. There was some very interesting information there on that. We're going to break these down the next this week and next week over uh, the next two sessions. We're going to find out what they were made out of, their dimensions, what they were for. And the first one is the brazen altar. The brazen altar, this is the place of death and bloodshed. Sin had to be covered by blood before man could fellowship with a holy God. So the priest, before he could go into the presence of the Lord, had to bring a sacrifice of blood. And this sacrifice was offered and it was, it was killed. 
and it was placed on the altar and it was burned as a sacrifice. So let's talk about the brazen altar today. This represents also repentance where we have to die out. Exodus chapter 20 verse 24, all of these scriptures that I'm going to be referring to are going to be the New Living Translation. It says, the altars you made for me must be simple altars of earth. Offer on such altars you sacrifice to me. Your burnt offerings and peace offerings, your sheep and goats and your cattle. Build altars in the places where I remind you who I am. And I will come and bless you there. So God was setting up a place. He was setting up an altar. And we got all kinds of brass and enlisted today. We got lieutenant colonels. We got drill sergeants. Congratulations on coming back to see us. Why didn't you tell me the other day you was coming to see me? Here I was lamenting you. Danny, we miss you. When are you going to come home? When's this all going to be done? July. You didn't tell me you're going to be home in 168 hours. Thanks, Danny. Thought we were closer than that, but we're not. All right. Listen, I can keep better tabs on Brandon. That's scary. And he's hard enough, but all right. So God said, wherever I remind you who I am, that's where we're going to build an altar. And so we must have altars in our lives. So this altar here, the brazen altar, Exodus chapter 27, verses 1, starting use acacia wood. Now, if you're reading the King James, uh, my Bible college professor called it shittim wood. We called it shittim wood. Okay, uh, it's acacia wood. We're going to look at that in a minute. It says, make a square altar seven and a half feet wide, seven and a half feet long, and four and a half feet high. So we're seven and a half by seven and a half by seven and a half. How many inches is that? Seven times 12 is 84. 84 and six is 90 inches. So we're looking at an altar that's 90 inches by 90 inches by four and a half feet high. Make a horn on each of the four corners of the altar so the horns and the altar are all one piece. Overlay the altar and its horns with bronze. The ash buckets, shovels, basins, meat hooks, and fire pans will all be made of bronze. Make a bronze grating with a metal ring at each corner. Now, they're gonna take a lamb that's alive they're going to tie this lamb up, and then they're going to tie the lamb on the horns of this altar. This live lamb that's bound up. And then they're going to take a knife, and they're going to slit its throat. How about all that? That's a, that's a bloody religion, isn't it? But you know, sin is a bloody situation. Sin is a bloody condition. And he said, so we have the ash buckets, the shovels, basins, and all that made out of bronze. Fit the grating halfway down into the firebox, resting it on the ledge built there. Removing the altar, make poles made from acacia wood and overlay them with bronze to carry it. Put the whole poles in the rings at two sides of the altar. The altar must be hollow, made from planks. Be careful to build it just as you were shown on the mountain. So Ab or Abraham, Moses 
is on the mountain. Remember, he's on Mount Sinai all those years, all those years, all those days. What was it, 40 days? The children of Israel didn't know if he was going to come back, if he was dead, what was going on. And so during that time, God has given him the pattern for the tabernacle. God is downloading into Moses' spirit this plan for all of these instruments and for this first church out there in the wilderness. He said, do it just as I've shown you on the mountain. So on your pass out, your handout sheet, there you see the brazen altar. That's the first place that the priest had to go. That's the first place that we have to go. The altar is, represents death. It represents payment for death. It represents uh, a, a confession of death, knowing that you have to go here first. Jesus said, I didn't put this in the notes, John, uh, Luke 13, 5, Jesus said in both 13, 3 and 13, 5, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So we have to have repentance in our lives. The next instrument is the labor, the brazen labor. It is a ceremonial washing of the priest was required before ministering at the brazen altar or entering the tabernacle. So now, after the priest has killed the sacrifice, after the blood has been shed, now they walk in or walk to the laver. And the laver here, let's see what it's made out of. It says brazen, so I'm, I'm willing to say got a good chance it's going to be made out of bronze. What do you think? Third place. Third place bronze in the Olympics. The Olympics are over. Chucks, right? Okay. Make a large, he's Exodus 30, 18. Make a large bronze wash bin with a bronze pedestal. Put it between the tabernacle and the altar and fill it with water. Aaron and his sons will wash their hands and feet there before they go into the tabernacle to appear before the Lord and before they approach the altar to burn offerings to the Lord. They must always wash before ministering in these ways or they will die. Now keep that in mind. So the priest had to, number one, go and wash first and then go offer the sacrifice and then come back after they had offered the sacrifice and wash again and the Lord said they must always wash before ministering in these ways or they will die. This is a permanent law for Aaron and his descendants to be kept from generation to generation. The generation that we live in says, well, I don't really think that's necessary. And so the Lord is not going to hold that accountable to me. You ever heard that? That's really not necessary. I was talking to Alex and he said, there's a, a new thing on YouTube. I guess, I guess we could really start a YouTube following. I guess there's, I, I didn't even think about it, but it, it would be normal that there's a bunch of all kinds of, anything you want, I guess, is on YouTube. Is that true? Okay. So there's this following, this guy, and he says, baptism isn't necessary. And he uses... I believe it was, uh, was it 1 Corinthians 1.17, where Paul said, I came not to baptize, but whatever he said he was going to do. So therefore, Paul 
didn't come to baptize, so we don't need to baptize anymore. The sad thing is this guy has hundreds and thousands of followers that people say you don't have to be baptized. What about Jesus? Jesus told John, baptize me to fulfill righteousness, to set an example. Because, listen, if Jesus would not have been baptized, there would have been some amongst us, maybe, maybe me, maybe you, that we would have said, well, Jesus didn't get baptized. Why do I have to get baptized? Why do I have to get baptized in front of a bunch of people and get my hair all wet? I don't look good when I'm wet, when my hair is wet, you know? But there's people out there that take one scripture. That's why a few weeks ago when I was teaching, you cannot take just one scripture and make a doctrine out of it. There, if, in order for it to be a doctrine, there has to be a thread of it all the way through the scripture. And so here they said, if, if you don't wash, you will die. I don't think God's going to change any of that. He said, this is a permanent law for Aaron and his descendants to be kept from generation to generation. All right, so there's the brazen labor. This is a lengthy one we're going to talk about now. We're going to talk about all the coverings. All right, all of the coverings. Now, there is a lot that goes in this. Remember, this is a little, um, I don't want to call it a tent, but it's kind of a tent, and it's out in the desert. It's in the wilderness. It is exposed to the elements, wind, sun, dust storms, possibly, I'm sure, rainstorms, whatever. So this covering, God had uh, specific and precise things that he wanted in the coverings. Let's go through this. Exodus 26. Make the tabernacle from ten sheets of fine linen. These sheets are to be decorated with blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, with figures of cherubim skillfully embroidered in them. Now, a cherubim is an angel, type of angel. All right? There's also seraphims, which is a cherubim's cousin. I don't know that. I don't have scripture for it. I just threw that out there. Okay. Sorry. Listen, I got to... So you have seraphims. You have cherubims. You know, uh, in Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple, he saw seraphims. And the seraphims had three sets of wings. One covered the eyes, one flew, and the other covered feet. What all that means, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. But God says here, I want cherubims skillfully embroidered into them. Each sheet must be 42 feet long and 6 feet wide. Now, the reason I use the New Living Translation for this is because this is going to give us dimensions that we understand. The King James is going to give us cubits. And a cubit is approximately 18 inches. So that's why I use this. So we're 42 feet long and 6 feet wide. All 10 sheets must be exactly the same size. Join five of these sheets together into one set, then join the other five sheets into a second set. Put loops of blue yarn along the edge of the last sheet in each set. The 50 loops along the edge of one set are to match the 50 loops along the edge of the other. Then make 50 gold clasps to fasten the loops 
of the two sets of sheets together, making the tabernacle a single unit. Now, isn't that amazing? Look how precise God is. If God is this precise about his church building out in the wilderness, how much more precise is he about what he does in our lives every day? So he goes on and on here. Let me ask you this. We have 50 gold clasps. Where did the gold come from? You think they called up 1-800-GOLD? Yes, we'd like to order, you know, enough ounces for 50 gold clasps on one side. No. Do you remember the night before the Lord delivered them out of Egypt, what he told them to do? He said, I want you to go tell the people, Moses, that everybody needs to go to see their Egyptian neighbors. And when they go, tell them that they would like for them to donate all of the gold, all of the silver, all of the brass, all of the fine linens, all of the precious metals and jewels into your hands. Because the Lord said this, the Lord believes in fair labor. He says, we are not going to work here in Egypt for 400 years and not get paid for it. So that's exactly what the children of Israel did. They went to their neighbors the night of the Passover and they said, we need all of the, all your gold, all your silver, all your bronze, all your fine linens. We need everything. And the Lord gave them favor and they came out of there with all the riches of Egypt. Why? Because God's getting ready to build a church. And that's where the gold comes from. Now, let's go on. Make heavy sheets of cloth from goat hair to cover the tabernacle. There must be 11 of these sheets, each 45 feet long and 6 feet wide. All 11 of these sheets must be exactly the same size. Join five of these together into one set and join the other six into a second set. The sixth sheet of the second set is to be doubled over at the entrance of the sacred tent. Put 50 loops along the edge of the last sheet in each set. On top of these coverings, place a layer of tanned ram skins and over them put a layer of fine goatskin leather. This will complete the roof covering. The framework of the tabernacle will consist of frames made of acacia wood. Each frame must be 15 feet high and two and a quarter feet wide. There will be two pegs on each frame so they can be joined to the next frame. All the frames must be made this way. 20 of these frames will support the south side of the tabernacle. Now, I don't know if Ginger's watching or not, but Ginger's in trouble here because the Lord said, you're going to have to put these on the south side of the tabernacle, and Ginger is not going to know which way is south. She's going to be in trouble. So, I'm just telling you that. So there had to be somebody there. Maybe the Lord was from the Midwest. Brandon, did you go with me on that trip to Washington, D.C.? You didn't... Uh, Washington, D.C. is not laid out like the Midwest, okay? It's not squares. It's, a, it's like a wagon wheel. It's bad. It's really bad. You can get on the... Listen, if you get lost, if you get lost and you legally try to find your way out, you... Two hours. Have fun. Two hours. And you don't... Who knows where you're going to end up, what kind of neighborhood. So what you have to do immediately... Thank you, Amber. What you have to do immediately is you have to do a U-turn in four lanes of traffic, yelling Jesus the whole time, 
right, before the other cars get you. I had all these kids saying, okay, Brother Tracy, which way is north? I said, it doesn't matter. So we, we go to the Holocaust Museum in D.C., and I tell you, I'm a, I'm a museum fanatic, and I have people traveling with me. They go through the whole thing in like 30 minutes, and they're waiting for me, and I'm like, it takes me four and a half hours. I want to read. I want to I think, you know. Where are you people that would travel with me? Brandon? Danny? Okay. Carly, are you, you're the 20 to 30-minute people? Oh, boy. Okay. We can, we can tell you what we want for lunch and then go get it for us. And by the time we're done, lunch, we just walk out and have lunch. So we come out of the Holocaust Museum, and a bunch of the teens say, okay, we want to go to the Air and Space Museum. How do we get to the Air and Space Museum? I said, it's very simple. You go out here to the road, to the street, you turn right. You go up three blocks, and it's on the left. Yes, which way's north? It don't matter. Go to the street, go three blocks upright, it's on your left. Which way's north? That's north. I don't know. Just go that way. But the Lord said, I want this on the south side of the tent. Now notice this. Notice this. The Lord puts the badger skin and, and the goat skin and all of that on the outside. And all the fine linens are on the inside. So it's not very attractive to the natural eye. But inside, it is a masterpiece. All right? Let's continue. They will fit into 40 silver bases, two bases under each frame. On the north side, there will also be 20 of these frames with their 40 silver bases, two bases for each frame. On the west side, there will be six frames along with an extra frame at each corner. These corner frames will be connected at the bottom and firmly attached at the top with a single ring forming a single unit. Both of these corner frames will be made the same way. So there will be eight frames on the end of the tabernacle supported by 16 silver bases, two bases under each frame. Look how the Lord is doing this. I mean, everything is just detailed and put in place. Make crossbars of a kao wood to run across the frames. Five crossbars for the north side of the tabernacle five for the south side and make five crossbars for the rear of the tabernacle which will face westward so the rear of the tabernacle is going to face west the middle crossbar halfway up the frames will run all the way from one end of the tabernacle to the other overlay the frames with gold and make gold rings to support the crossbars overlay the crossbars with gold as well so now we have silver sockets, we have gold clasp, and now we have gold crossbars. But if you're outside looking at it, it doesn't look like much. People look at our walk with the Lord and they, they feel sorry for us a lot of times. Well, you can't go here and you can't go there and you can't do this and you can't do that. You know, Christians must live a really, really boring life. 
But inside, man, you got righteousness, peace, joy. You got freedom in your thinking and freedom in your mind, freedom in your heart. And it's like, man, that's the gold and the silver and all those beautiful things. All right. Set up this tabernacle according to the design you were shown on the mountain. Notice the Lord's always telling Moses, go back to the design that I showed you. Across the inside of the tabernacle hang a special curtain made of fine linen with cherubim skillfully embroidered into the cloth using blue, purple, and scarlet yarn. Hang this inner curtain on gold hooks set into four posts made from acacia wood and overlaid with gold. These posts will fit into silver bases. When the inner curtain is in place, put the Ark of the Covenant behind it. This curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. So that is called the veil. That's the veil of the tabernacle. This is how you remember, you remember when uh, Jesus was crucified, how the veil was torn from the top to the bottom when he died on the cross. All right, this is the forefather of that veil. This separates the holy place from the most holy place. Now, the most holy place, if you look on your illustration there at the holy place, uh, the holy place there has several pieces of furniture in it as well. It's going to have the table of shoe bread, the altar of incense, and the golden candlestick. And this this that we just read about, the inner curtain that sits on the four posts made out of acacia wood and overlaid with gold, this is going to make this inner curtain. All right? There is only the high priest could go behind the veil. And he only did that one time a year to offer sacrifices. Okay? He could only do that. Only the high priest. Those who were not the high priest could only go into the holy place, but only the high priest into the most holy. Exodus 26, 34. Then put the ark's cover, the place of atonement, on the top of the ark of the covenant inside the most holy place. Place the table and lampstand across the room from each other outside the inner curtain. The lampstand must be placed on the south side and the table must be set toward the north. He had specific places inside where he wanted all of those instruments. Okay? He had specific places right there where he wanted each of those instruments. If you look at the way it's laid out, from the brazen altar, the brazen labor inside to the candlesticks, the table of shewbread, and the altar of incense, and then the Ark of the Covenant, it is in the form of a cross. God is into detail. It is in the form of a cross. The altar of incense. You remember the altar of incense with uh, Zacharias? John the Baptist's father? John the Baptist's father, Zachariah, was a priest. And he was offering up incense on the altar of incense when the angel was standing by the altar and said, your wife Elizabeth is going to have a child. That's where it happened. Not in the tabernacle of the wilderness, but in the temple 
there in Jerusalem. But that's where Zechariah was standing when he found out he was going to be a daddy. So there you go. Where were you when you found out you was going to be a daddy? Probably not by the altar of incense. Make another curtain from fine linen for the entrance of the sacred temple and embroider exquisite designs into it using blue, purple, and scarlet yarn. Hang this curtain on gold hooks set into five posts made from acacia wood and overlaid with gold. These posts will fit into five bronze bases. So not silver bases here, but bronze bases. To make a courtyard for the tabernacle enclosed with curtains made from fine linen, on the south side, the curtains will stretch for 150 feet. So the outside perimeter of this whole place is going to be 150 feet. They will be held up by 20 bronze posts that fit into 20 bronze bases. The curtains will be held with a silver hooks, with silver hooks attached to the silver rods that are attached to the post. It will be the same on the north side of the courtyard. 150 feet of curtains held up by 20 posts fitted into bronze bases with silver hooks and rods. They were 150 feet long. The curtains on the west of the courtyard will be 75 feet long, supported by 10 posts set into 10 bases. The east end will also be 75 feet long. So we're 150 by 75. Now, this sanctuary is about, what, 55? 50 or 55? So we're a, another 20 feet further and that's how wide the courtyard was on the outside outer edge and then 150 feet long the courtyard entrance will be on the east end flanked by two curtains the curtain on the right side will be 22 and a half feet long supported by three posts set into three bases the curtain on the left side will also be 22 and a half feet long supported by three posts set into three bases for the entrance to the courtyard make a curtain that is 30 feet long fashion it from fine linen decorate it with beautiful embroidery in blue purple and scarlet it will be attached to four posts that fit into four bases all the posts around the courtyard must be connected by silver rods using silver hooks now we're not using bronze uh, gold rods that we're using silver rods and we're not using gold hooks but we're using silver hooks the posts are to be set in solid bronze bases so the entire courtyard will be 150 feet long and 75 feet wide with curtain walls seven and a half feet high made from fine linen the bases supporting it will be made of bronze all the articles used in the work of the tabernacle including all the tent pegs used to support the tabernacle and courtyard curtains must be made of bronze. Man, God is into detail. Gold, silver, and bronze. That's where the, he, he was doing the Olympics before they even started. Gold, silver, and bronze pegs. Acacia wood overlaid with gold. Acacia wood overlaid with silver. We have gold uh, hooks. We have silver hooks. We have bronze hooks. Everything is right where it needs to be. So that is the outer court. One thing that I, I want to say, if you look there on your illustration, and that is um, the veil that separated the holy place 
from the most holy place had no door in it for the priest to go through. Okay? It had no door in it for the priest to go through. And so we don't know how the priest got through there. We don't know if he was able to slide around the side of the veil, the curtain. We don't know if he got to the curtain and he, you know, I doubt that he tapped his heels together like Dorothy did. But could it be that the Lord transported him through the veil? You know that when Jesus resurrected and the disciples were all in, an, in a room in Jerusalem, that he walked right through the wall and said, hello, boys, here I am. Maybe he did that with the high priest. I don't know. The table of shoe bread. Okay, let's go to the table of shoe bread. Now, on the table of shoe bread, there are 12 loaves of unleavened bread sprinkled with frankincense. They were renewed each Sabbath and eaten by the priest. So every Sabbath, they got new shoe bread. It became a continual thanks offering to God. Let's look at the table of shoe bread. Now, this is acacia wood. Acacia wood. This wood is very, very dense. It's one of the hardest woods in the world. It is 27% harder than white oak. Okay? It is made for outdoors to withstand the extremities and all of that business. It's very beautiful, don't you think? How much is it? A lot? How much is a little bit? Like a little dab will do you? So that little table is about $17,000. Now, let me ask you this. So God's using this kind of wood, and then he says, I want you to cover it up with gold. That's pretty awesome. He said, I got something even better than that. So there is acacia wood. Here's a few facts about acacia woods. What's so special about acacia wood? Imagine our image results from acacia wood. Acacia is a heavy and hard wood that withstands climatic variations well. This strong resistance and its natural beauty, dur natural durability, make it an ideal species for all exterior works and is a perfect alternative to exotic woods. Acacia is the hardest of all hardwoods characterized by high density and resilience. So that's what God was using to make the tabernacle in the wilderness. So let's look at the table of shoe bread. He said this, <clears throat> then make a table of acacia wood, three feet long. That is not 11 slash two, that should be one and a half. One and a half feet wide and two and a quarter feet high. So we're looking at 36 inches by what? 18, 36 by 18 wide by 30 inches high. Okay? Overlay it with pure gold and run a molding of gold around it. Put a rim about three inches wide around the top edge and put a gold molding all around the rim. 
make four gold rings and put the rings at the four corners by the four legs, close, close to the rim around the top. These rings will support the poles used to carry the table. Now, notice that God had all of these instruments, had them put rings, okay? He has them put rings because what they're going to do when they transport this, they're going to slide their carrying poles through the rings, and they're going to carry the instruments and these pieces of furniture like that without touching it. Do you remember do you remember the story about Yuza? Was it Yuza? When the Ark of the Covenant was where was it? Was it in it was somewhere. I think it was a house uh, at uh, our neighbors, Vernie's neighbor, Obed Edom. All right. How'd you like to, how'd you like to sound like an Amish community? He's down there at Obed Edom's house. So the Ark is down at Obed Edom's house. And David wants to bring it back home so that, into to Jerusalem. And what they did was, David didn't do it right. They put it on a cart, and they were pulling it with oxen. And as they were pulling the Ark of the Covenant with the oxen in the cart, they hit a hole or a bump or something, and uh, it looked like that the Ark of the Covenant was going to fall off of the cart. A man named Yuza was walking along the cart, so he reaches out his hand to stabilize the ark. Now, that seems like a good deed, a good gesture. What happened to Yuza? Did he get awarded? Yes. He went on to his reward because as soon as he touched the ark, the Lord smote him because that ark represented the presence of the Lord, and no man can just touch the presence of the Lord. There's a pattern by which you have to come into the presence of the Lord. And so they had these rings and stakes. They carried all of these pieces of furniture, these instruments of the tabernacle, on their shoulders with these staves, not touching them with their hands. All right. You must always keep the special bread of the, pre of the presence on the table before me. That's what God said. So on the Sabbath... That would be there. And he said, verse 29, make gold plates and dishes as well as pitchers and bowls to be used in pouring out drink offerings. Man. The altar of incense. The altar of incense. Exodus 30, verse 1. Then make a small altar out of acacia wood for burning incense. It must be 18 inches square and 3 feet high with horns at the corners carved with, for the same piece of wood from the same piece of wood as the altar overlay the top sides and horns of the altar with pure gold and run a gold molding around the entire altar beneath the molding on opposite sides of the altar attach two gold rings to support the carrying poles these poles are to be made of acacia wood and overlaid with gold place the incense altar just outside the inner curtain, opposite the ark's cover, the place of atonement that rests on the ark of the covenant, I will meet you there. Every morning when Aaron trims the lamps, he must burn fragrant incense on the altar. And each evening when he tends to the lamps, he must again burn incense in the Lord's presence 
This must be done from generation to generation. So you see what Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, was doing was fulfilling the command of the Lord that said, this must be done from generation to generation. They had to go in each morning and take care of, of the bread, take care, well, the bread was there all week, and I don't know if they sprinkled a little bit more frankincense on it. Anybody ever eat frankincense? It smells good, but I'm not sure about eating it. Does anybody like rosemary? Amy, where's she at? Amy made some stuff with rosemary a couple weeks ago, and I wasn't too sure about rosemary either. But anyway, how to get on that? Lunch is coming in a couple hours. Think I'll make it? I hope I last that long. He said, and you're going to have to take care of the lamps morning and evening. You're going to have to make sure they're all trimmed. You're going to have to put good incense on them. He said, do not offer any unholy incense on this altar or any burnt offerings, grain offerings, or drink offerings. Oh, man, is the Lord specific there or what? All right, this is our last one I'm going to do today. I like this one. This is pretty cool. This is the golden lamps, the golden candlestick. Make a lampstand of pure hammered gold. The entire lampstand and its decorations will be one piece. The base, center stem, lamp cups, buds, and blossoms. It will have six branches, three branches going out from each side of the center stem. Each of the six branches will hold a cup shaped like an almond blossom, complete with buds and petals. The center stem of the lampstand will be decorated with four almond blossoms. So the Lord apparently likes almonds. Amen. So do I. Complete the buds and petals. One blossom will be set beneath each pair of branches where they extend from the center stem. The decorations and branches must all be one piece with the stem and they must be hammered from pure gold. Then make the seven lamps for the lampstand and set them so they reflect their light forward. Notice God is wanting the light to be reflected forward. This is the only thing that is going to light up. You know, they didn't walk in and hit a switch and the lights came on in the tabernacle. So you had the fire on the brazen altar outside and then when you get into the holy place, the only light in the holy place is coming from the lampstands. And then behind the veil, the most holy place, there's nothing there. There's no lampstands, there's nothing else. The only way that it lights up in the most holy place is the glory of the presence of the Lord on the Day of Atonement, and that is awesome. We'll talk about that next week. <clears throat> 38, the lamp snuffers and trays must also be made of pure gold. You will need 75 pounds of pure gold for the lampstand and its accessories. So, at approximately $2,000 an ounce right now, that would cost about $2.4 million at today's prices. Is that crazy? $2.4 million. 
million dollars for that lampstand. Now, let's see here. Did it, did it give a height on it? It did not, did it? Mm -mm. Make the lampstand, six branches, six branches, center stem. We'll have to find the we'll have to find the uh, dimensions of that. Okay. So we're going to stop there. Next week we're going to talk about the Ark of the Covenant. That is the only piece of furniture behind the veil. The Ark of the Covenant has on it a mercy seat. It's a box. It's a box. On top of it is a mercy seat. And there's a cherubim, an angel on each side with their wings touching, hovering. It looks like it's, they're hovering over the mercy seat. That's where the priest took the blood of the sacrifice on the Day of Atonement one time a year and sprinkled it on the mercy seat. And if you read further, you will find, and we'll find this next week, you will find that this pattern on earth is the pattern of the holy place in heaven. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he took his blood and sprinkled it and went into the heavens, remember? Don't touch me, right? Don't touch me, I'm not yet ascended. And then the next time you see him, he walks through the wall and he says, Thomas, touch my hands, touch my side, here I am. What had happened in between is he had went into the heavens and he had offered his blood on the mercy seat in heaven once and for all. Amen. Let's stand. There it is. 2.4 million. That's a little bit more expensive than the, the wood. $17,000. Man, we, we gripe about two before us today. Made out of old nasty pine. Man, oh man. All right. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the tabernacle. Lord, that plan in the wilderness that has come down to where we sit today. The joining of ourselves together and coming into your presence. Lord, we just ask you, just in a few minutes, we're ready to go into your presence, Lord. We're excited about it. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Somebody said amen. Amen. All right.